Gen Z culture moves incredibly fast and it's only increasing in the rate of its acceleration. Higher education moves comparably slow. And therefore, there's often a disconnect between higher ed and prospective students. Everyone in higher ed wants to know what strategies and tactics work best to recruit this next generation of students. And just when folks think they've got it, preferences seem to change. Welcome to Signals, a special series on the trends, indicators, and Gen Z behaviors shaping the future of higher ed digital advertising. Brought to you by Glacier and Enrollify. I'm Zach, founder of Enrollify. And I'm Matt Diddlejan, co-founder and CEO of Glacier, a digital advertising agency specializing in youth marketing and higher education. You can subscribe to this series and access other podcasts, e-courses, videos, and more at enrollify.org. And if you want to learn a little bit more about Glacier, head on over to weareglacier.org forward slash enrollify and download one of their epic white papers. All right, without further ado, welcome to the show. All right, so Paige, Matt, how are you both doing this morning? We're doing great. We're doing great. I am doing just fantastic this morning. So excited. That's good to hear. Uh, Paige, you were just informing us of a little bit of a mishap with the coffee maker this morning. What what was going yeah. on there? Yeah, I made a coffee for this podcast and I just took a sip like two minutes before we went on and it was the most repulsive taste I've ever, I thought, I thought it was mold. I spit it right out and I asked Matt about it. He's not home. He's at the office and he just informed me that he decalcified the machine and now that, so I, I just ingested a bunch of chemicals right before this. So, so if you pass out, that's probably where the cause, that's, that's probably the cause ha- yeah. of your, your fainting. Right. So besides that, I'm doing great, but it woke me up in the, this morning. Well, there you go. At least that. you're awake. At least you're awake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and for exactly. for our audience, uh, Matt and Paige are newly married. Congratulations, you all! That's Thank exciting. You. What you've been married Thank a couple you. months now, right? Yep, just three, over two months. Three months almost. Yes. Wow! And is this your first podcast as like a married couple? Yes. Oh, yeah, okay. it is. I think actually. this is our first podcast ever as a as a as a team, huh? As a couple, yeah. Yeah, I think it is our first podcast ever. Yeah. Well, this is a well, special treat. I mean, hey, maybe we should like forget, you know, forget talking about higher ed marketing and just dive into sort of like relationship advice 101 and like how to do a, <laughs> how to do a podcast with your spouse. That'd be that, that might even be more interesting to uh, to our audience. I actually feel like we have a lot of content on that, but okay. I don't know if any of the listeners want to hear that. Well, hey, yeah, we'll, we'll have to do sort of like a, you know, extended edition um, and, you know, offer it for a couple bucks or something like that, like. You know, do offer this content for free, but if you really want the behind the scenes, give us a couple bucks. Uh, We'll see. We'll see. But uh, we are here today to talk about TikTok. And um, obviously, the folks at Glacier are sort of like leading the conversation around how to do TikTok well in higher ed. And Matt and I were actually talking and Matt was like, hey, you know who really knows a lot about TikTok is my wife. And she's been growing as a TikTok influencer, actually. So we thought, we thought, you know, why don't we get Paige on the show and talk to her about what she's learned about starting a TikTok account, uh, growth hack strategies, what to do and not to do, et cetera. So I think, you know, Matt and I really just want to like pick your brain, Paige, on 
lessons learned, the do's and don'ts, etc. So if you're cool, I think we'll just, you know, hit you up with a bunch of questions and, you know, then shut up and let you answer. Does that does that sort of work? That works perfect. Love it. Awesome. And I'll start, Matt, and then you chime in, you know, wherever wherever you want. But Sure. So, so Paige, to just, you know, set the scene a little bit, a lot of folks who are tuning into this conversation don't have a TikTok account and or they have recently created one for their institution, but are really struggling to understand how to do it well. Right. So like <laughs> yeah. universities are, are historically late to the game when it comes to adopting any sort of social platform. And mm-hmm. I think you know, in the context of TikTok, it, it feels so much scarier than Facebook even did and Instagram did, et cetera. And so I would love to understand just from your perspective, when you first started your account, and obviously you're not necessarily, you know, in, in the market of trying to attract new students to your university, but when you first started the your account, what were you hoping to do with it? Uh, what, what did you learn in your first like 30 to 45 days of posting content, anything that you might be able to share about those early days that would be helpful for our listeners who are just looking for an idea for how to get started. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll I'll take it back a little bit before then, because you mentioned how it can be a little bit more scary or people don't know how to approach TikTok. So I have a marketing background and I worked in marketing for many years. Um, I actually worked for um, a Canadian food brand on an an internal marketing team. And I remember when TikTok was kind of popping off, obviously um, I'm, I'm an old, I'm 31, so I'm not in the young generation, but we, as a marketing um, team, we're obviously talking about TikTok, da, da, da. And so I downloaded it and got really into it because I, my mentality around it was like, I don't want to be like my parents were with Facebook and Instagram where mm. they're like, what is this? Da, 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 da. They eventually got on and like took over Facebook. Right. But I was like, it's going to happen. Like that's what's happening. Technology. We have to stay up on it. And I remember, um, one of my coworkers in my marketing team was like, Oh, like TikTok just seems like it, I just don't get it. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, wait, you're in marketing, like just get it, just hmm. download it. It's actually not hard at all. It's very simple. It's very easy. If these 16 year olds are figuring it out, you can figure it out. And she got it and she's on it now too. So I think it's just that barrier of getting it and experimenting. It's actually not very difficult and it's a way better social media platform in my opinion, in terms of um, entertainment value. I mean, you can get caught on that app for hours. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to lie. But I think my advice for anybody who's feeling a little bit like it's daunting or they don't know what to do, it's just download the app. Just explore. It's actually not that difficult. Find someone from the younger generation, someone in high school or someone in university who can kind of show you around. But it's very, it's it's quite an intuitive app. And I think it's just going for it. So that's that. I just wanted to say that because, um, yeah, I, I just remember t- in the early days talking to people from my team and saying like, you just you just got to get with it. You just got to get with it. Technology is always going to be coming out with new things and new things, and you just have to be on top of it. And I think I think one of like the big friction points for folks is like the idea of producing like video content on social, right? So like. Uh, because because that is sort of you know 
TikTok, right? It, it's synonymous with video content. And I think that the idea of creating that at scale and doing that well, it's just so much scarier than creating a cool little graphic on Canva and like posting it on Facebook, right? And so like, I'm curious in term, talk to us a little bit about like the kind of content that you create on TikTok um, and mm -hmm. any sort of just lessons learned with respect to the formula or like the ingredients that like make a good TikTok. Yeah. So I um, started my account, like I'm in the spirituality space. So I read tarot, I do manifestation workshops. So when I first started, it was promoting my tarot. I really wanted to get, um, I really wanted to promote my tarot business. So I started putting out tarot videos, just reading people like random uh, card readings on there. And they weren't doing very well at all. I was kind of just doing the same thing over and over and over again. And mm -hmm. they, none of my videos were doing well. So then I searched up the hashtag tarot, tarot reader on TikTok. And I started looking at the videos that were doing well. And I actually just kind of mimicked that style of video, obviously made it my own, but I mimicked the same style and that next video went viral. So I was like, okay, this isn't that difficult. I just have to see what's go doing well. I have to see what people like, the style of video, and then kind of make it my own. So that's how it started for me. Um, and at the, at the end of the day, if you stick to your video being entertaining, educational, or um, entertaining, educational, or inspirational. Hmm. It has to be one of those three things. Otherwise, it's not going to do well. So kind of the um, secret weapon is asking yourself, like, how can I make this video more entertaining, more inspirational, or more educational? Because, it, yeah, like I said, if it's not one of those things, it's not going to do well. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, I'm curious, like that's a, that's a helpful framework. And when you went and you looked at those videos, right. And you looked at those, uh, what other people were doing and what other people were doing well, what, what were the indicators? Like, so they, I assume they were either educational, you know, uh, inspirational or, oh, what was the third one you said? Um, educational, entertaining. entertaining. Thank you. Um, yeah. so I assume those videos fell into that category, but like what specific, like, like what were the mechanics of the video? Like, was it, yeah, high energy up front. Was it like, does uh, do we need to include sort of like really cool music all the time? Like, if you sort of unpacked what was special and different about those videos that you then mimicked, like, what were some of those things? Yeah, you have to grab people's attention right from the very beginning. If the video is too slow, it like people's attention spans gone. They have to know what the video is going to be about in the first like couple seconds because that's all the attention span you have. So for me with tarot, like I was just making videos of pulling like a card a day and it wasn't getting very much traction. And then I looked at the hashtag and it was say, it was um, asking specific things. It was like, okay, think about somebody right now. Like this is how they feel about you. Hmm. And so it was a lot more like, oh my gosh, I want to watch this video, right? Like it's entertaining, but it's also educational because yeah. it's in the tarot world. So um, it was, it just, it, it enrolled the viewer in a lot more where they're hooked and they're, so you got to really hook them at the very beginning. So that's super important, um, is what is that first frame? What is that first, uh, shot, whether it be words or voice or, and the video and how does it kind of reel them in? I also, I also remember 
Paige, when you first started doing some of those ones, Mm -hmm. you did a lot of ones around, yeah, what, hey, that person that you have a crush on or whatever, you know, this is what they think about you. And I remember those ones blew up, like those got to hundreds of thousands. And I remember when that started happening, it just reminded me, I was like, oh yeah, when I was a teenager, that's all I was thinking about. Yeah. All I was thinking about is, is that girl that I had a crush on. And I wonder if she's thinking about me, you know what I mean? And it just really, I think showed the importance of getting back into your teenagers. Like when you were a teenager, get back to the mindset you were in at the time. Right. And, and that was the content that absolutely killed it. Right. Oh yeah. To this day, like I'll do videos and always the love, the love readings do the best for sure. So yeah, exactly. That's a good point, Matt. Like taking yourself to what you cared about at that time and speaking to that audience because on TikTok, it primarily is the younger generation, Gen Gen Z. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And on that note too, I think what is really hard, right? So for people that are listening to this, that are working in admissions or they're working in marketing at a college or university, you know, on, mm-hmm. on the younger end, they're probably in their, you know, early to mid thirties, but they could, yeah, they could be significantly older than that. Right. And so going back to high school, it seems for some folks like an eternity ago. And so like, I think, is there, is there any sort of helpful framework or a way we sort we could sort of like unpack this a little bit of like, Hey, this is a, this is a good way to start thinking about like storyboarding your content, for instance, like one, one hack, right? Yes. Let's go and think, try to remember what it was like. Uh, try to remember what you were like as a 17 year old when you had a crush on somebody and you would do whatever it would, you know, it, 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 it t- you know, it would take to get them to go have coffee with you or go grab a soda after school, whatever it might be. Right. That's one, that's one way to sort of get into a creative mindset. Any other sort of like tips or tricks on how to start thinking about like the story you want to tell in a relatively short, you know, period of time that is going to quickly hook the user, uh, quickly hook the viewer in those first couple seconds, like any other creative hacks you might recommend. Well, I mean, changing it from what's the story you want to tell to what's the story they want to hear. Mm. So what is the story that these students care about? Like what, because that's the problem is I think a lot of universities, like, what do we want to sell? What do we want to push? What's important to us? But that's thinking about it completely the wrong way. Like, what do they care about? What do they, what are they interested in? And so I think brainstorming too about your, like your university What's cool about our university? What's entertaining about our university? What's inspirational about our university? Um, And obviously the educational piece is huge. There's so much content that a university could put out that would be so, so super captivating. I remember I used to follow this account and it was just, all it was was this university student in her fourth year Um, She was a university psych student and she would just have random psych facts. That's all it was. So sticking to your niche is a really, really important thing on TikTok. So sticking to your niche, what that does is you're producing consistent videos and your followers know what they're going to get from you. And that's why they'll, that's why they'll follow you because anybody can go viral on TikTok. And a lot of people do go viral, but it doesn't mean that they gain the following So your video goes viral and then people go to your page and then they see the videos that you're putting out. And if they're consistent and they know what they're going to get from you, then they're going to follow you. So sticking within your niche and obviously a university and college, their their niche would be, you know, university lifestyle, education, that kind of a thing. Um, But yeah, that's that's really important is for anybody that wants to kind of grow following on TikTok is you kind of have to stick to your niche and figure out what that is and create content around that. 
do you think, and Matt, I'd love your thoughts on this too, um, having worked with several schools in this space, like, do you think, like, TikTok to me seems sort of like this platform that is very, it's very personal in, in that, like, people are following you know, the pages of the world, right? Like they, they, they like page, they like page pages content. And they're really curious about what is the next video page is going to create. One of the challenges, challenging things for like a college or university is that like, they're typically representing an institution. And so it's a lot of, you know, people, it's a lot of different perspectives, there isn't just like one like brand or one voice that is like, represented by you know, a 30,000 uh, student body uh, institution, for for example. Um, so like, any thoughts on how how to do content, how to create content? Well, like, should admissions counselors, should people that are working in marketing leadership at a college or university, do they really just need to not create any content themselves and find students that can create content on their behalf? Or like, I guess, how how do you think about who should the who the actual content creator should be in light of like people's expectations for the kind of content that they're looking for on TikTok? I'm so glad you asked this question. And mostly because I was going to ask Paige this question last night, actually, and I forgot to. Um, <laughs> Perfect time. So I'm, gl I'm glad I can ask her now on this podcast, which was yesterday I was talking to a client and they asked me a very similar question. They, they said, you know, we want to promote our graduate programs like our MBA and law program, but we also want to use TikTok to promote our school to undergraduate and new undergraduate students. Can we use the platform for both? Yeah. And I, I had to take a step back and I was just, my, my initial reaction was no. I mean, you gotta, you gotta stick to one audience or the other. If you try to cater to everybody, you're going to be all things to all people and nothing to nobody. And, but then I remembered about Paige, your most viral video that you've ever had was the one that you posted of our wedding and it got, you know, 3 million views. And that was so far away from all your other content, which was mostly spirituality. So it got me thinking, could a university have one account and then they're posting content for their graduate students. And then they also post content for undergraduate students to completely different audiences and have viral content for both, you know, cause like your, your content was completely different to completely different audiences, at least I think, and both went viral. So I, I'd love to know what you think about that. I mean, I think that the, that they could. I mean, undergraduate students are eventually going to become graduate students, and so and a lot of people go into their undergrad thinking, okay, I'm going to get this, and then I'm going to go to law school, or then I'm going to do this. So I think that they could. It's just they have to, have to, have to be super educational, super inspirational, or super um, entertaining. Like it seems so small, but the videos that don't do well, you can tell, are none of those things. And I think that that's the, that's the challenge that a university would have. But back to like your question, Zach, like having students create the content is a hunt, like exactly the way I think that they should go. So one of the things that we've done, Zach, and I don't know if we've even told you about this, but what we're piloting with one client right now is we have really been more of a consultant for them. And we've pulled Paige in to help because, you know, Paige has gotten to, 100,000 plus followers on TikTok and she's gone viral a bunch of times on TikTok. So she knows it really well. So we've pulled Paige in to help one of our clients find. So we've helped them build the job description for the students on campus to be their TikTok content creators. We helped them decide who to hire 
so we actually looked through all the resumes and gave our selection and then and then pages developed training content and actually trained the students on how to create TikTok videos mm. for universities and colleges. So she's really been instrumental in helping our client, you know, build their whole TikTok program. And we're still in the early days, so we don't have the results yet. But just from seeing it happen, because we've been talking all the way along about how the move is certainly to enlist students and get them to help create the content because they're going to be able to tell the story better than anybody else. So we absolutely think students are the answer. And that's, this is one of the ways that we're really working with our clients to try to find solutions on, on how they can really harness the power of their students. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. And, you know, I, I think what we get asked all the time for folks is like, Hey, who can I go talk to? Who, who can I sort of like outsource my TikTok creation to? And it's like this hard thing because people are asking the right questions and that like they want, they understand that they don't understand how to create content for TikTok. Like, and that's, that's a good step in sort of like the process. But then again, the, the next sort of like logical, uh, uh, step that a lot of these folks take is they, then they, they go and ask who are the consultants in this space that are, who are the content creators? Who are the marketing agencies that can kind of like do this for us? Right. And what's very hard right now, and again, this is sort of like what is different about this platform as opposed to other uh, other social platforms, is that you can't really do that super well. Like th this client can't really say, "Hey, Matt, we want you to create the content for our TikTok," right? In the same way that they might be able to outsource, like uh, you know, a, a video to you or like a, a blog post or an ebook, right. Or whatever. Like, it's just, it's a different kind of, of environment and reality. And so like, I love what you just shared about, Hey, maybe the, maybe a way in which schools can get help initially is like in that, that foundation, like in the building of the team, reviewing resumes, like helping train students how to create great content for TikTok. Um, Paige, would you add anything to that? Like, how do you, how do you think about like, if, if a school is like, Hey, I, I want to do this, I want to invest in this, but like, I, I'm, you know, a 48 year old director of admissions and I don't know how to do this. I don't, I barely understand what TikTok actually is. I've never even seen a TikTok. Um, I yeah. also, you know, I also don't even know how to advise my students on like the kind of, I don't even know what's acceptable and what's not, I, I can't keep up with all these trends. Like, how, how would yeah. you sort of advise folks think about this and get started? And what is sort of like a good crawl, walk, run approach when you recognize that you're going to need help from some people in order to get this off the ground? Well, I think recognizing that you have literally thousands of subject matter experts on your campus who would absolutely love to do it. Um, I think they have amazing resources and opportunities that they're not really taking advantage of in their students. Um, I totally get not being able to or not understanding how to advise them or how to run with that. That's why, you know, at Glacier, we've been facilitating that with another university and we've been doing the training and um, being a resource for the students because they don't know, uh, because the school doesn't know about TikTok and they don't know how to run that training. But I mean, the universe, the, the students are there every single day and they're yeah. the ones who have their finger on the pulse and they're the ones who know what's educational, what's inspirational and what's um, uh, uh, entertaining. entertaining yeah. 
Yeah, entertaining. So they know what students want to hear about. They know what students care about. They know what students, um, why students would want to go to their school, what sets their school apart. They have that pride that they can communicate and they want to communicate to prospective students. So I think hiring the students to be the content creators makes completely the most sense. I mean, these kids know how to use TikTok. Yeah. They've been using it for, for years. And uh, that's what we did is we screened all the applicants and we chose uh, students who were active on TikTok. They already knew how to make the videos. So it was just about tweaking it and helping kind of coach and mentor them so that they can kind of take it and run with it for yeah. their school. What do, what do you think about like the balance between like having one or two students that are essentially like the influencers for the university versus having like you know, 25 different students who uh, once every quarter, you know, one of their videos gets posted on the institution's page. Like, is there any, like, what are the, I guess, the pros and cons of getting, helping folks sort of like fall in love with like a influencer at the school versus like, well, you're not, you're not going to really know, you're not going to be able to identify page as like associated with university x um mm. but you'll she'll create a video once a quarter and then zach will create a video then matt will create a video and so it, it's less about the individual student and more just about like the collective of like oh all these students are associated with this university like what are the pros and cons of having like mm. one or two folks that are avidly like trying to build their brand as associated with your school versus taking sort of a, a little bit more of like a general all haunt all you know all hands on deck approach yeah, I mean, that's tough. I think my initial thoughts are have a smaller set, not from the standpoint of them being kind of the ambassador or building the brand around those students, but just they're the ones building the content so they can figure out what works and what doesn't work. Because if you're just po making one video and that's all you're doing and it, you've got 20 or 30 students doing that, um, they're not going to get a groove. It's not like every single video goes viral. And so there is this element of experimenting and playing with it that I think if a smaller group is doing um, many videos, they can kind of understand what's working and what's not working and they can play around with it. Um, but I, I hadn't ever thought about that as kind of getting more of an influencer and having people kind of be invested in these students. I could see it working, but at the same time, once they leave the school, is that going to affect things? Yeah. Are what if what if people don't like that person versus others? Like, how would that kind of work? I think showing the school and the collective at large makes more sense. I don't know. What do you guys think? My my thought on this one, I wouldn't go less than. I think five is, is a minimum number I would go with okay. for a university or college. Reason being is no matter what, you're always going to have, it's like any hiring decision, right? You have a coin toss of making the right decision with hiring. It's going to be the same with hiring your student ambassadors. It's going to be a coin toss. So if you only have two or three, the probability of you having at least one or two good ones is low. Yeah. But if you have five, you're going to have at least two good ones. And that's what, that's what we've seen too. So I've, I've talked to schools that have 10. I've talked to schools that have five. The, with our client, the ones that we did, we, we had five. Hmm. And sure enough, two of them are turning out to be pretty standouts. And then, or two or three of them, and a couple of them are a little bit weaker. I mean, they could turn around, who knows. But uh, And it's the same with our all of our influencer campaigns we do as well. 
if we do a campaign where there's eight influencers, there's going to be two or three that are absolute standouts yeah. and they crush it and they carry the campaign. And then the other ones are not as great, you know, and then those are the ones that you reenlist for the next one. So I'd say there's that happy medium of not having too many where you spread yourself too thin, but having enough where you increase the probability of having a few rock stars that you're going to be able to lean on to build your account. Yeah, no, I, that, I think that's super, super helpful. So, you know, start with uh, maybe a minimum of five, figure out like over the course of that first couple months, like who are your standouts? Uh, who might you need to sort of like, you know, trade in for somebody else. But um, I, I think that that's a very practical sort of like takeaway. Um, so love that question on. on one, sort of, oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead, Matt. One, one more thing on that, too. Well, a couple points. So you mentioned how, you know, I'm a 49 year old and I'm working in marketing or admissions at yeah. the university. I just talked to a 49 year old yesterday who is running the account and she is crushing it. She she's doing it all herself and she has a team of 10 students Wow! and, and some of her videos have gone viral and she actually is working. She's, she's light years ahead of influencer marketing too. She's got an influencer that has 1.5 million followers on TikTok, and they're doing campaigns for their college. Uh, so shout out to Vassar college. They're doing a really good job. And, and Debbie there, she's doing a really good job with their TikTok. So, and her mind, and it's just, it's like what Paige talked about before with mindset. She just had the mindset of age doesn't matter. I'm just going to learn this. Yeah. And she just jumped on and started playing with TikTok, started having fun with it. And now she really gets it. And she's, I would have no, I would have no doubt in six months that their accounts can be incredible. It's already doing pretty good, but she's, she's got intent to grow it. So that's, that's one thing. And then on the other thing, I think the ideal structure for a university or college is having that one person who is the, the, the overseer or the coordinator of all the students. And I think the important skill set for that one person is just having really good taste, hmm. really good taste in the content, being able to look at TikTok content and determine without seeing the likes or views or comments, is that good TikTok content or is that bad TikTok content? Because that's, that's going to be so crucial in selecting the students in, you know, putting, creating some of the content themselves, all that kind of thing. I think they have to have really good taste. What do you, what do you think about that, Paigey? I'd love to hear what you think. Oh yeah, I think so too, because when you're in any, in, in any marketing kind of social media role, when you're so in it, sometimes you put so much time, so much effort, so much energy into something and you, you need somebody to kind with that outside view to look at it and say, this is really good or no, this is shit because sometimes yeah. you're just you're too in it. So I think you're right, Matt, having somebody to oversee all the videos and they just have that fresh set of eyes where they can say, actually, that was not entertaining, educational or inspirational. That was that I, you lost me in the first couple seconds. Um, but, but everybody has to be open to receiving that feedback as well. On the, on the note of influencers, right? So one of the things that we get questions on sometimes from folks is like, hey, is it better to think more about like, how do I build a TikTok team for my uh, institutions page, right? Um, or how do I should I go to students that I know go to our school that have decent following and see if I can partner with them for a particular, you know, recruitment campaign or an upcoming open house event that we might be throwing or something like that, right? Any thoughts on like, if you if you're limited with resources, time, you know, uh, and money, and you, you got to start somewhere, and you can't pick both, like, is it better to start by investing in sort of like the team to build the school's TikTok account? Or is it 
better to start by finding students that go to your school that already have decent following and partnering with them on some sort of promotional campaign that they do within the context of like their own account. Does that make sense? I would combine, can I jump in? Can I answer this? Please, yeah, go. I would combine it. I would combine it. If you have students at your school that you know already have a following, approach them and hire them Mm. to run it 100%. If somebody has experience going viral, they know how to make videos. They know what people like. Um, and they just, they just get it. They probably have been using the app a lot longer. So I would actually ask and go hire those students. That would be kind of the best thing that you could do in my opinion. Love it. Matt, what what do you think? I think that's a great, a great first step is do an initial scan and see, are there some hidden gems out there on your campus that already have huge followings? And I think a lot of these, a lot of these schools would be surprised that they probably have a decent amount of nano or, or even micro influencers on their campus. You know, I was talking to, like I said, Vassar College yesterday, and it turns out that they have a food TikTok influencer that has 1.5 million followers in their 660 person campus. Wow. You know, and so they're, 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 you know, in, in contact now and, and whatever. And, and, the, and I've seen that too at, at my alma mater at University of Calgary, they had this one influencer, which had 330,000 followers in the astronomy space. And we wanted to do a campaign promoting all the space research at the University of Calgary. Like, what are the chances of that? Yeah. So I would highly encourage universities and colleges to do a scan. Just go look through the top posts on your campus, see which students are really big there, or go on TikTok and do a scan and just see who who on your campus is already creating great content or already has a decent following. And how can you engage them? Because that's so so inexpensive and so quick to do. And, and a lot of the times in my experience, just reaching out to those influencers and saying, Hey, love what you're doing. We want to partner with you and work together. They will work for little to no pay or academic credits or something. Yeah. And they will do such great work. We have seen incredible work out of those students just because they're, they love, they love the school already that cause they go there and they just are stoked to help. Yeah. 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 And just, just to add to your question, Zach, just to answer that a little bit further, um, it wouldn't be enough for you to just rely on influencers. Like say you couldn't hire those influencers. They didn't want to run your page and you were like, Oh, let's work together. It wouldn't be enough if you were at, if the intention was to grow your TikTok following. Cause like I said, people aren't going to follow you if you're not posting content, yeah. you'd be posting regularly and they have to know what kind of content to expect from you. Otherwise they're not going to follow you. So I think you have to do, you have to do both. I mean, if you're only going to do one, then I would say hire the team to post regularly. But I mean, you can't go wrong with getting some influencers on board for sure. And I want to ask a, a couple of questions related to this, because I do think, right, for, I, I want to be as tactical as we can be for our listeners, while also understanding that there's like so much variance and variety, depending on your situation, size of your account, right, resources that your school has to invest in this kind of stuff, et cetera. But like, if you had to sort of map out a, a rough sort of framework for once you've built the team, you've got those five people, right, that are committed, they are, they understand TikTok. They uh, have been vetted by a team like Glacier, for instance, right? And now they're ready to start. Like, how do you think about mapping out content? Like, how frequently should these folks be posting? Like, what sort of like a rain, like what sort of encouragement would you give to folks in terms of like, if if I had to plan out like three months worth of TikTok content, like, where do I start? How do I stay on top of trends? Like, 
what is the balance between sort of like waiting for a trend to sort of pop up and then create content in response to that trend versus being a little bit more proactive and just, you know, posting something that is that matters to us, but that might not sort of be riding the coattails of the latest trend. So how do you think about actually like creating that content and doing so in sort of like a strategic and sort of like sustainable way? And after that, I, I want to switch and talk a little bit more about like the mechanics of virality and like, you know, get uh, your thoughts page on sort of like what to do and not to do if you are trying to go viral. But before we do that, like we got the team, right? They're committed, they're bought in. How do we actually start? Okay, so uh, in terms of planning, you want to be posting almost every day. So if you have a team of five, whatever, everybody's posting once a day, maybe you pick a day that each person is to post um, and do a brainstorm session with everybody. Do a creative brainstorm session before any of them even start creating content because they have that fresh student mind. They know what's interesting. So get everybody to kind of brainstorm different ideas um, in each category, educational, inspirational, entertaining, um, about their campus, about their school, about their program, about residents, whatever, about this, the city that their school is in, like whatever university students or prospective university students would find interesting, brainstorm all of that. And then you can kind of go from there. I mean, you do have to be agile, like you said, following trends, because that is another way that you're going to go viral. And I know we're going to talk about this later, but jumping on certain sound trends or video style trends or new music that's just released is really, really important because you can go viral just because you used a song that's gone viral. Yeah. And now people are searching the song and they're looking at the videos and that's how you go viral. So um, you have to be pretty agile that you might see something and just be struck with inspiration of, oh my gosh, I can make that, you know, like my university or I can play that into... Um, the content that we're thinking about. But so I think it's a little bit of like, you've got to have planning, but you have to be ready to jump on trends. You have to have both. But I think you give that ownership to the students. And, you know, maybe weekly, you're brainstorming, you're coming up with different ideas all together as a team. And then, but they own the content that they're supposed to produce that week. Love it. So daily con daily posting, splitting mm -hmm. that up, you know, between uh, the, the folks on your team, ensuring that there's some intentionality around like, okay, over the next three months, these are the themes, the topics, the, uh, the ideas that we want to communicate to our following, um, while also ensuring that you've reserved time to be agile and adopt uh, your sort of uh, content strategy in light of something new that surfaces, more or less kind mm -hmm. of packaging what you said, right? Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Matt, would you add anything that to that? I think it's also worth talking about quality and quantity about posting because one of the things that has really blown me away in watching, watching you on your journey page has been, you know, you'll, you'll tell me, Oh my God, I created this video today and it's going to be awesome. And then you go and post it and then it falls flat and then you'll post another video and it'll just be something you just kind of came up with on a whim and you posted it and then it blows up, you know, <laughs> right. and, th and there's not really any rhyme or reason in, into what's going to work and what's not going to work. So what, to what extent is it quality and quantity, you know, just pumping out content, but, but also ensuring quality. 
I mean, that's what, that's why I'm saying like, you want to be consistent with it. You want the same group of people who can kind of experiment because from my personal experience, yeah, like you might put so much time, so much effort, so much planning into a video and then it's just not that great. But then you're looking and you see this trend that, I mean, the video of our wedding that is my most, most viral video was I saw a celebrity use this song and this style of video. And I was like, oh, that would be really cool to show off our wedding. And so I did the same thing. And then that video went viral like that. But that was that was just a strike, strike of inspiration, I guess. And so that's what I was, when I was mentoring those other students, I said, yeah, plan, but be okay to kind of scrap that mm. or to post in additional if you have just like an idea that comes to you because that could be the one that's, you know, goes viral. I love that. Um, and one question that I've been thinking a lot about and arguing with folks about a little bit is like a lot of times when schools go and hire marketing consultants to like do their marketing, whether it's helping out with social media, whether it's helping out with uh, email marketing campaigns, whatever it might be. Um, sometimes the folks that are being hired to do this work aren't necessarily great at social themselves, right? Like meaning they'll advise you on, Hey, here's how to think about a great you know, uh, a Twitter advertising campaign, or here's how you up, you know, up your Instagram campaigns here. We, here's how you sort of like increase your impressions through click through rates on your Facebook campaigns. But like, they're not necessarily like regularly creating content themselves. And I think for some platforms, at least when you're dealing with digital ads, you might be able to get away with that. My sense is that that's really hard to get away with, uh, in, in TikTok land. And so I'm, I'm curious, like, if you if folks want to get good at TikTok, maybe they're not going to be creating the videos themselves. Maybe they're going to have a team of students to help do this. But like, in order to guide and coach students, like, what do you recommend like people do, or how often should folks be spending time in this sort of space? Like, how like should folks spend thirty minutes a day just kind of scrolling through TikTok and and whatnot to learn? Or like, I guess what if if you had to sort of give me a tutorial on like Zach. Here's how you should just operate over the next month if you want to get good on TikTok. What would you recommend? Like how do I how do I sort of like up my awareness of what works and and what doesn't uh on the platform? I mean, definitely just going on the platform. Exactly like what you say. And I like that you said 30 minutes and even setting a timer because chances are if you just go on it you'll lose hours of your life because it is <laughs> so like the the algorithm is so dialed in and why it's so important to stick with your niche and I'll go back to that is because they know exactly what you like based on how long you watch a video how many times over you watch a video how if you like it if you comment it like they are so um the algorithm algorithm is so good at knowing what you like that it just serves you videos um, that it knows that you're going to like. Mm. So if you're somebody who likes a lot of cat videos, that's all you're going to see. My home feed versus the two of yours is probably completely different because it knows what you like. I remember one time I was watching Matt's for you page 
and it was all biking videos and whatever. And I was like, this is a side of TikTok I have never seen. I have mountain <laughs> bike video in my life, but mine is tarot and manifesting and like whatever, because that's what I like. It knows what I like. Yeah. So it's important to stick with your niche because then you are getting, you are directly connecting with students who care about whatever it is you have to talk about. Yeah. So that's why it is so important and, and why it's so valuable and why it's so important. Anybody can go viral and you can connect with people who actually want to see your content. Yeah. Yeah. I love mm. that. And, and I think that that's a perfect segue into sort of like, what are the mechanics of, of virality? Like if you do want to, I, I feel like what you were just sharing Matt earlier, it's like, there's so much about going viral that is way outside of our control, right? And I think that most of the campaign, like when I think about viral campaigns in higher ed, I think about, you know, the SNHU bus campaign, which if you guys aren't familiar with that campaign, Southern New Hampshire University, which is mostly online, they do have sort of a in-person um, uh, option as well. But I think like 90% of their students are online. One of the things that they wanted to do was actually uh, deliver diplomas to their graduates. So they they got a bus, they decked it out, and they like went around the country handing out diplomas to people. They had like the president and like the chancellor and like other like leaders at the institution going around and doing this. And it was this super super cool bus campaign that went viral. And every year that they've done it since, it's also sort of gone viral. That's just one example, like of like a, a viral campaign in higher ed. And like you know they they knew that they could paint a bus they knew that they could go and visit some students they knew that they were going to bring a camera crew along the journey with them they didn't know right how much traction it was ultimately going to get right so when you think about uh page trying to go viral with a particular video like what what do you look for like what do you think about how do you craft that video how do you how do you craft the story that you want to tell there and are there any sort of like you know, tips and tricks that you'd recommend folks consider um, as, as they think about like what it would look like for them to create a viral video. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, going back to this, but I think it's the most important whenever I look at what my most viral videos are, it's the ones that were super inspirational, super educational, or super entertaining. Like I can't stress that enough. If it's not if it does, if it's not one of those three things, it's not going to grab people's attention. They're yeah. not going to care. That's what's going to get people to watch it over and over again. That's what's going to get people to comment. That's what's going to get people to like and share. That's it. It's so simple, but like even just asking yourself, how can I make this more entertaining? How can I make this funnier? How can I make this whatever? So that's a huge thing. Jumping on trends is another one. There's always trending videos on TikTok. So what you can do is basically you see a trend and what a trend is, is just the same kind of style of video, but people kind of rework it and make it their own. So you find a trend and you say, okay, how can I make this about my university? How can I make this funny trend that's blowing up? Um, and then also new music. So music is a huge thing. So um, uh, this app, I'm trying to think what it used to be and I can't remember, but it used to be all kind of sing-along. Mm. I don't know if you remember, but it was oh, all music. Yes. The music is actually like a huge part of this app. And so artists, a huge part of their la like launching new music and new songs is actually launching it within this app too. And they want their songs to go viral. They want their songs to be trending on TikTok. So jumping on, for example, I worked for this, this food company um, a couple of years ago doing their TikTok and uh, Justin Bieber's Yummy 
or yeah, 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 yummy yeah. by Justin Bieber just came out. And I was like, this is perfect. It's a food company. So we did a video showing behind the scenes making it with yummy and it blew up. But, it, it, but that song was also trending on. So if you can jump in on the songs or you can jump in on a trend, you can you can do that. Um, that would be kind of my number. Those are, those are my number, I guess, my three points for going viral. Also, shorter videos. Like the, the tension span is very short. So unless your information is so captivating for a full minute or for three minutes now, um, people will drop off. So even the shorter videos where people can watch it on loop a couple of times, um, those ones do really, really well because the algorithm tracks how many times over you watch a video. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting, interesting. Matt, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this as well. Um, but one of the things that you and I have talked a little bit about is like how the actual algorithm works, in, which is a little bit different than how other social algor algorithms work. And so you've you've said to me and Paige, you know i'm sure uh you've actually experienced this that like when you say things like anyone can go viral like talk talk to us about what that actually means, that means. like and and how the algorithm yeah. treats content a little bit differently than like a facebook or instagram would mm -hmm. so the algorithm's changed a little bit now what it does is so i post a video and it's going to put my video out to like a subgroup of my followers first Got it. And what it's going to do, so may, was, I don't know how many it is, but we'll say 10 people. So it'll push it out to 10 people. And what it's going to see is how many people watched the whole video through, how many people watched it over and over again, how many people liked and commented of that group. And then based on those numbers, then they send it out to a larger group and a larger group and the videos that go viral, it's like people are watching it over and over again. People are liking it. People are sharing it. It's engaging. They can tell through the algorithm. So they just keep pumping it out, pumping it out, pumping it out. If it's doing well, they want people to stay on their app. So they want, they want the most captivating content on there. So if your video is great, it's just going to get, keep getting pushed out, pushed out, pushed out. You will tell in the first 24 hours if your video is going to go viral. You can huh. probably tell in the first couple of hours, you're, you're, it spikes, but that's how it works. They just keep pu pushing it out to more and more people depending on how well it does. If it's not doing well, they stop. They stop pushing it out and they start pushing other content. And how, how much... Is it, oh, go ahead, Matt. Sorry. Yeah. How much of it is geographically based? Do they push it out to... Because I remember before it used to be geographically based. It right. would push it, it still out. Is. It still is geography-based. Geography Exactly. Right. So it yeah, takes it into consideration is. geography and your followers first or which first. one comes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. So it used to be, it used to be that they wouldn't just push it out to your followers. That has changed. That's Got something it. that's new. So that's why it's really important that people jump on TikTok. It's the same as Instagram and Facebook. Like when you, when you, when you jump on it at the beginning, you're going to do better, but they've changed the algorithm slightly so they push out to your followers first see how it does and then if it's doing really well then they push it out farther but there's two kind of home feeds you can see um, the the accounts that you're following or a for you page mm. so the accounts that you're following are going to be just videos of the people that you're following obviously very similar to the feed of instagram or facebook but there's a for you page which is curated from TikTok and it's random accounts from all over the place. They're just um, sending them to you because they know what, what videos you like. Yeah, yeah. So based on what you like, based on your niches, they're going to send you videos and that's how you can find new accounts to follow. And that's why anybody can go viral Is because it, you can pop up on anybody's for you page. Yeah. And that's, that's super, super interesting. And is it true then that like your, 
account following has less influence over like like meaning you page obviously you have way more followers than me right for instance and so if we both post a video like is it true that how the algorithm the algorithm will prioritize your video over mine simply because you have a larger following or is that not necessarily true like do you know what sort of impact the size of the account that is posting the video has over um over sort of the you know which audience how big that sort of like initial audience is or how quickly they continue to sort of like um spread spread that video to to other audiences that's the cool thing about it i've heard that the tiktok algorithm has changed so now it's pushing it out to your followers first so that would make that now i feel like okay maybe there's a little bit of a slight difference there but really you could start with zero followers and you could go viral your very first video if it was a knockout video if it was super entertaining of course you could um which i think is super it should be very motivating for people to get on now yeah because they can do that and they have the ability to do that um i i i don't know exactly yeah, sure. And I, I'm sure I'm sure even I'm sure they don't tell you that. Uh, I'm sure nobody it's actually just for knows my, me figuring it out. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, but I think that that's a good that's a good thing to keep in mind for our listeners is like, it's still so early for TikTok, And that like, if you can you can actually get on and with, you know, right now, organic reach on Facebook is like zero, right? Like, it's like you, you post something and nobody, nobody sees it, you have to pay to play like, and it's cool. Mm-hmm. I think for folks that are strapped for resources and are strapped for time, it's like, okay, do you want to go post a bunch of content on Facebook that, you know, 0.01% of your followers are going to see or whatever it is? Or do you want to spend a little bit more time trying to figure out TikTok and potentially get in front of hundreds of thousands of prospective students, right? Like, and that is the trade-off. And I think, like, that is, it's a hard thing for folks to get. But, like, I do feel like, especially now, while the platform is still new and organic is still, like, possible and organic reach is incredible, um, folks have to get on now um, and and start testing this sure. out. Because uh, at some point, probably, as social media uh apps tend to go that organic reach is going to drop and drop and drop and drop and drop (laughs) right right and that and that's what i was kind of alluding to when where i heard that the algorithm has already changed but i think it's still uh, an opportunity for people to jump on now and if you just think about it too like the more people sign on the more videos you're competing for so that's why it's so important that, again, those three words, inspirational, educational, entertaining, you have to be that because now the more accounts, the more videos, you're competing with more with with more um, accounts. Yeah, yeah. I think a good thing to point out to you is in the higher ed space, it is still very early days. Yeah. I've, I've only seen really three accounts that are even worth mentioning in higher ed that have a decent following. And those are LSU, U Florida and UCLA, those are the only three I've seen that have a decent sized following. And I think that's also in talking about how to go viral, go check out those accounts that are already doing well, those three I just mentioned, yeah. and just see what videos have done well. Like if you go look at right. those three, the sports ones crush it, a day in the life ones, those ones crush it. You, you know, you can just go on those three accounts and just see what are doing well. And that that's a pretty good place to start. You know what I thought was also interesting? Uh, in addition to those accounts, I saw, uh, I stumbled upon BYU's account, like maybe a month ago 
And what they were at least doing then, and it looked like on, on their page, it looked like all of their videos were this way. I don't know if this is still true or not, but they used their mascot. And so like their mascot was like the influencer. And so what was super cool about that is like, I watched a bunch of their videos. It's hilarious. It's funny. And to your earlier point, Paige, like you don't have to worry about like your student graduating. Like you just put somebody else in your mascot and like you yes. build an influential brand around your mascot. And to me, like what you're already trying to do. Exactly. And it's shocking that more schools in particular haven't done that. Like that seems like a right. no brainer, like no brainer. easy way to like amass a following. And you can put right. anyone in the, in, you know, in the suit. So, right. um, and when you have, and when you're facing off with other universities, you can have content with their mascot yeah. and your mascot and you can both post it. And it can be this funny thing. I actually talked about that with our last client, but they don't have a mascot, oh, <laughs> but we were, we're like dressing them up, getting the mascot to do the funny dances that everybody's doing now. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. There's so, there's honestly <laughs> so much good content that a university could do. Like they, there's so many different ways that they could take it and hit those three buckets. Yeah. Well, we're just about at time here, but, um, this has been awesome. I've, I've learned a ton and I'm sure our audience as well. Um, Matt page, any last like, you know, bits of advice or for folks who are sort of like, yes, I'm ready. Uh, where should they get started? If you had, you know, just a couple of additional words of wisdom to pass along to, to these listeners, what would those words be? I mean, I think get just just get on TikTok. I know that it might be a little bit scary or might not know what you're doing, but download it, get an account, just watch some videos, understand them, try and make a video, fool around with it, play around with it. It actually is quite intuitive. Um, and then, you know, I guess like hire, hire people. You have subject matter experts at your disposal. So I think really utilizing that and taking advantage of that um, and letting these students kind of run with it. Obviously, Glacier is a great resource to mentor these students and help train them if you don't feel like your marketing division is up to speed with it. Uh, but getting on TikTok is an amazing opportunity for any university right now. And that's where your students are. If you're if you're investing in social media, you should 100% be investing in TikTok. I don't think any Gen Z is on Facebook. Mm. <laughs> so like, why, like go to where your students are. They are on TikTok. This is the that would be the best use of your budget. One of the best uses of your budget because that's exactly where you're. The, they are. Matt, anything you want to add to that? Very well said, Paige. I think. We've already seen the stats. TikTok is now the most daily used app amongst high school students. It's overtaken Instagram. So you have to get on it. If you want to do something that's really low risk and just to get a feel for it, you can always just start with paid ads. You don't have to have a TikTok account to start doing paid advertising. Just to get your feet wet, get comfortable with the platform, that's a really low risk, low investment way to get started. But whatever whatever you got to do to get started on TikTok, you, you just have to. Well, there you uh, have it, folks. If you uh, haven't already, right after you uh, stop listening to us chat, it's time to go to the App Store and download TikTok and start experimenting. Um, Matt, Paige, this has been awesome. I really appreciate both of you sharing your insight. Uh, and Paige, in, in particular, like thanks for giving us a little bit of a, a look at how you think about this uh, as a TikTok influencer yourself. So 
Uh, this has been wonderfully helpful. And if folks who are listening have questions or want to get in touch, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you both? For sure. You can, you can, you can go to our website, weareglacier.org, or you can send me an email, matt.diddlejan at weareglacier.org, and we can connect that way. And I'll be sure to drop all of that in the show notes as well to make it easy for everybody to access Matt's contact info. And um, depending on how cool you are, he may or may not introduce you to his wife, Paige. So we will. Uh, we will... Well, you can you can always you can always follow her on TikTok. What is your TikTok handle? It's Paige. my name at Paige Pinder. At Paige Pinder. Okay. And if Paige yeah. is cool, we will also link that in the show notes so you can check sure. it out as well. Well, thank you all uh, for for coming on and and sharing your thoughts with us. Super, super helpful. And um, yeah, I look forward to continuing to learn from both of you. Awesome. Thank you, Zach. This was fun. Thank you so much.